Welcome to the Real Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Christine Koenig with Howard Hanna Rand Realty, licensed in New York and New Jersey. And I'm hosting today with... David Wilner from Pillar to Post Home Inspectors. So uh, Dave and I are, um, we laugh because we're calling ourselves on location, but neither of us were able to be in the studio today. Uh, so it's... Uh, yeah, at least you're in a good place, Christine. That I'm is just correct. Out of a parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, we do have great <laughs> topics, right? It doesn't matter where we are. We're fun, fun topics for everyone. So uh, today we are talking about passive homes, um, and uh, what does that mean, right? It's not that they're passive; it's just that uh, they would create energy in a more passive way, right? A little more of a green technology, and, and we'll kind of dig into what that is and what that means, right? Right, yeah, yeah. Passive home, you know, it's, it's, it's not a non-aggressive home, right? It, right. It's a, it's a home that is, uh, it passively uses electricity. Basically. Right. It's a, so, when we're talking about a power source in a passive home, it's almost always elect- it's almost always electricity. It can also be geothermal or some other things, but it, most of the time we're talking about electrical. Right, and even if it's geothermal, it's still electric. Electricity. Still electrical. Yep. So that's right. And then, uh, and then Dave and I have decided that a really fun way to end our show today is going to be to have a a subject matter called weird and wild, the weird and wild things we've seen um, while. Showing homes, inspecting homes, right? Just that thing that makes you say, hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. Or, yeah. hmm, that's a little scary. <laughs> right? You know, when, you, when you've been in a few thousand homes, you see a few weird things. <laughs> yes, it's true. And, and we thought it would be fun to share some of those highlights, right? Uh, it's so funny because I was sitting down this morning kind of making my list. Uh, and I know I've seen... So many crazy things that I can't, I can't even remember all like all of them. So I'm like putting my list together, and I'm I'm like just like closing my eyes and visualizing like what was that? It was that really weird thing. Uh, and then you know sometimes I will take a picture and post on my Facebook page like my you know real estate weird real estate find of the day. So I was trying to like zoom through uh, my business page to try to find some of those things to jog my memory of some of some of just the crazy things out there. Oh yeah, you know it's it was amazing when I was thinking about my list of stuff. It was uh, I did the same exact thing, and I thought, oh man, I, you know I'm under pressure now. I got to think of some things. They just came pouring out. They just uh, came pouring out of my head. I'm, I'm, like, I'm gonna, oh, I'm yeah, gonna guess that your your memory is better than my memory. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, I, I don't know. So um, any, I just anyways, like the weird, yeah. So. <laughs> Before we start, I thought I would just do a quick, um, you know, inventory update and all that good stuff. Um, and, and as I was doing that, I realized that today is the 29th of March, um, and all of this is going to be way better to do next week when I can get all of the March data because everything in the MLS is still off the, is still off the February data, right? But, but uh-huh. that being said, let me just share some news. Orange County wide, I'm going to take two minutes and just say, Median sale prices for uh, the county are up 23% year over year. Uh, new listings are down 24%, right? Less listings, more sales equals higher prices, right? Wow. Um, and then, like, the number of homes for sale right now countywide last year, at this time of the year, we had 1,622 homes for sale, Right. Countywide this year, right now, we have 916 homes for sale. It's a 43% drop. So when people are, you know, saying why are why why are prices doing what they're doing right now, and the answer is it's all about the inventory. Um, normally, um, if I go back a few years, 1600 going into February is about where we are. And this year, going into February, we're at 900. So um, just in terms of what's driving the frenzy, it is 100% about uh, inventory, even things like price per square foot, which has been you know, reasonably consistent in the 140s for a while, um, is now up to $173 per square foot on average. Um, and, you know, to note, a smaller home will have higher price per square foot 
a larger home, that number drops. But, um, you know, on average to go to, from, say, 145 to 173, it's a, it's a big, big difference. So, Hey, Christine, um, so yeah. as, a, as, a, as a leading real estate agent in our, in our market, uh, you're I mean, so kind. What, are you, uh, what are you looking to do to get people to list homes out there? You know, you know, I mean, how do we how do we get this market, you know, drive a little more inventory? Well, you know, it's it's so there's there are two two considerations when I'm talking to people about listing, right? Their first consideration when they're calling me is, you know, I hear this could be the best time to sell my house if I really want to capitalize on the value, right? If I want to, you know, take the equity out of my home, and put it in my pocket, um, you know, now is the time you're getting 25% more for your home than you would one year ago, right? There's uh, uh, th- those are real numbers, and, and the inventory is moving quick. Um, on the flip side, though, the biggest concern I hear, and it's a legitimate concern, is if I sell, where am I going, right? This, the inventory problem that we're having is not unique to the New York tri-state area. It is, um, it's everywhere around the country. So, um, you know, a lot of that was spurred by the pandemic and people not wanting to let people into their homes. Um, and that still holds true, even though the vaccine is coming out and, the economy is opening up. Um, I, you know, I still feel like we're a month or two away from people really feeling confident about saying, hey, strangers, walk through my house, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I do think that our inventory issue will start to open up a little bit as um, our vaccine levels come up and our case new caseloads drop. I think, you know, people will start to feel more comfortable. Um, you know, and as an industry, we've been working really hard to make sure that everyone's wearing always masks when they go in a house or gloves or um, bringing antibacterial wipes and, you know, using, using those when opening and closing doors or touching any surface. So, you know, we, we do everything we can to put a home seller at ease for letting people into the home. Um, but, you know, sometimes that doesn't matter. Sometimes we've spent a year being, you know, locked away and the idea of just opening up your home is kind of what I'm sensing is the anxiety about why our homes aren't coming onto the market. So it's kind of like a balance between do you want to capitalize on the market at this point in time? You know, are you planning to sell in the next year or two anyway? And does it make sense to sell now versus I'm just not ready to let people into the house? And um, to me, that's that's sort of the scenario we're at right now. Well, yeah, and I think you, you hit the nail on the head, too, where you said, you know, it was a legitimate concern. I mean, where do you go? I mean, what can right. you buy? I mean, yeah. do people move south? Do they stay in the market? Do they downsize? Uh, you know, uh, it, does do do interest rates remaining low uh, affect somebody's purchase ability to buy a price at a higher price that still costs them the same per month because they're paying yeah. less in interest? That's that's correct. And you know, a lot of people did take advantage of the lower um, interest rates over the last few years and have done a lot of refinancing. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, their buying power is still good with rates. You know, our rates are still under five. I think they're under four and a half um, right now, maybe. And, of course, I wish we had Mike the Mortgage Guy on right now to, to tell us where we are. But I think they've bounced up um, over three and a half. It's sort of, it's, uh, you know, I th- and I say bounced up, I can't even believe that we were ever un- under three. <laughs> I know. I know. I, you know, I know. I have my buyers who are concerned. Interest rates are going up. I'm like, they're historically low, even though they've come up a half a percent or a percent from, you know, a month or two or three ago, we're still at historically low rates. You have a tremendous amount of buying power. Whenever you can borrow that amount of money under 5%, you're in a good spot. Yeah. So, you know, it's a, young buyers out there don't remember the, the eighties when interest rates were 15%. You know? <laughs> yeah, my, my parents bought the, bought the house I grew up in, in 1976 or 77, and they had a 17% interest rate. Wow. Um, right? It's insane. And, it's like you putting know, a house on your credit card. That's correct. It's like putting a house on your credit card. Uh, how they, you know, how they ever paid that off, I will never understand. And I guess the answer is, as rates came down, they refinanced, which, um, yeah. you know, we always tell people to keep an eye on the rates, even after they own a home, for finding that, that moment that makes sense to refinance. So, uh, cool. yeah. Anyway, so that's inventory. Um, and you know, I'll put out my, my, my call, my call out. If you are thinking of selling your home or if you have interest in trying to figure out what your home value is right now, um, please, please give me a call. I would be so happy to 
come look at your home with you and then uh, you know really share where we are we'll be back from uh, after we hear from our sponsors Chris Steritz has been an award-winning associate broker for more than 28 years. Chris's vast knowledge of Orange County ensures that your goals will be met whether you are a buyer or a seller, and she will help with your home inspection, mortgage, and appraisal process. She's also a specialist in corporate relocation, and the home inventory on her website is always current. For more information or to contact Chris, visit chrissteritz.randrealty.com. Hudson United Mortgage is the number one mortgage company specializing in residential loans in New York and New Jersey, where Mike Van Mansard is offering first-time home buyers low down payment options and a mortgage that saves you money and time. Licensed in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut, Mike Van Mansard will patiently walk you through the maze of applying for a mortgage and is available for all your questions. Call Mike Van Mansard now to set up an appointment or for more information, contact Mike at HudsonMortgage.com. Hi, this is Grace Warren, a licensed real estate agent for Howard Hanna Rand Realty for more than 20 years, and I'm ready to hear your wants and needs, and then I will help you fulfill your goals. As a full-time residential specialist and longtime resident of Orange County, I know the Orange County market very well, and whether you're a buyer or seller, my priority is your satisfaction. For more information, please visit my website, gracewarren.randrealty.com, and let's get together. This is attorney Bob Kruhulik of the law firm Beatty & Kruhulik, the lawyer guy. Tune in every Tuesday at 12 noon for the latest legal advice and tips. We're taking calls and giving answers to all your legal questions. That's every Tuesday at 12 noon on radio worth listening to. Hi, this is Wild Baby Love. Start your Sunday with me at 6 a.m. and Gospel Tracks. I'll give you the phone number to the faith phone line and the address to the website. All that and much, much more right here on Gospel Tracks with yours truly, Wild Baby Love. I'm gonna make this place your home. And welcome back to the Real 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 Estate Show with me, your host, David Wilner from Pillar to Post Home Inspectors, and my co-host, Christine. Hello, it's Christine Koenig with Howard Hanna Rand Realty, uh, licensed in New York and New Jersey. You can find my contact information at christinekoenig.randrealty.com. All right, Dave, I think we're going to pop into passive, passive housing. Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you lead the way there as, uh, as our home inspector and, and technology aficionado. I, I love passive homes. Passive homes are actually a passion of mine, Christine. They're, um, you know, they're, it's amazing because this technology, it's not new, and it's really nothing that's rocket science either. It's about insulating your home. It's about using efficient systems that are out there in the market uh, orientating your home properly on the land that it's on, and uh, just using good building materials uh, and some common sense. So you put all this stuff together, and what you get is in the defining factor of a, of a passive, a certified passive home, that a home that would be certified by the Passive Home Institute, is that it is about 90% more efficient in its energy consumption, which is amazing, right? <laughs> it, so, it is amazing, and, it's, and, and it feels hard to achieve. But it, it's relatively easy. One of the biggest issues in most conventionally stick-frame, wood-frame built homes uh, is that the frame actually creates what's called a thermal bridge. And that thermal bridge takes all the, the, the heat that's in your home in the winter and takes it outside, and it takes all the cool that's in your home and it brings the heat in uh, in the summer. So mm. that thermal bridge is created by dense building materials, such as wood frames, that uh, come in contact with both the outside sheathing and the interior finished uh, wall coverings. Right. So then, you know, it gives that, that, that energy an opportunity, a place to can be conveyed in and out of the home. In a passive home construction, they separate that, and they eliminate the thermal bridges. And that's really where you gain the most energy efficiency out of a passive home. So by eliminating those thermal bridges, by either constructing it with the, the, you know, the whole home with two walls, 
or now they build they make specific building materials which are studs that have uh like that have been spray foamed together mm. um, and the foam now eliminates that thermal bridge between the two studs so this is so interesting because as you were saying things all, all the words you just said and I, in my mind i'm trying to create an image right so right. now i ha- now i have a working image for, for what this means Right. I want to think about water bottles, right? Water bottles 10 years ago were just one piece of metal and your ice would melt and your drink would get warm. And now we have the double walled water bottles, right? Where it right. keeps your water cold all day or hot all day. Mm-hmm. Right. And so this is this, what, what the implication is, is that by eliminating the thermal bridge, so to speak, it means you're building your home like we, like, like we've upgraded our water bottles. We would um, build homes it's like a big, that way. You've made your home into a giant thermos. That's right. right. A, a, a big Yeti. <laughs> a big Yeti. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's really true. Actually, it's a, it is the same technology that makes a Yeti cooler actually very efficient at holding in, uh, you know, that holding its temperature for a long period of time. Is that there are no thermal bridges in it? That's interesting. Um, I feel like I've really had an aha moment right now. Yeah, or Uh you really want to think about it like this. A stick-built home, think of it like, um, you know, it's like, what what do they call those metal things that you rinse your salad in? A colander? Is that right? Yeah. Right? And, you you know, when you, you you know, all the water just goes right through all those little holes. Mm -hmm. That's what thermal bridging does to your home. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, no matter how much, if you put the insulation between the studs, it's still, it's, you know, it's still running, all that energy is running right out through the studs. Hmm. And that's, so, the, that, that's the key construction difference. Yeah. So, you know, that, that, does, uh, that, that does bring me to the next question, which is, all right, so now we've built a home with, with this double wall insulation concept, right? right. Uh, but now you have to heat the home, right? Sure. And... Yeah. But the systems that you would use to heat a home to keep that, um, you know, that footprint well, of energy consumption down is different than what, what most people think about. Right. So, in a, like, in a, for a lot of us that live out here in the country, you know, we have uh, either uh, fuel oil or natural gas heat in our home. And you've got a big boiler uh, or you have a, a big giant furnace that it takes to, to heat your home. And depending on the square footage of your home, you might need a pretty large system. Well, mm-hmm. in a passive home, because it's so energy efficient, A, you can use a much smaller system. And you can also use a much more efficient system called a heat pump. So heat pumps and geothermal uh, heating and cooling have, you know, are, are sort of coming around in their own technology, specifically heat pumps. Uh, you know, heat pump is basically an air conditioner that has a reversing valve built into it. That reversing valve, so like when you turn on your air conditioner and it blows out cold air, you don't make cold air, right? Right. Uh, High school physics teaches us the laws of thermodynamics, blah, blah, blah. They, um, what you do is you remove heat. There's no making of cold. There's only removal of heat, right? Mm -hmm. So when you when you're running a, an air conditioner, what it's doing is it's taking the hot air inside your home uh, and it's transferring that hot air outside and it's allowing the air in your home to get cooler. Yeah. So it, yep. it, it, I, I still feel like, just, so you, just full disclosure, I have a heat exchanger in my house. I did electric in my attic using an air source heat pump. I hear nice. the words that you're saying Right. Yep. And by yep. the way, success. It works. Two years, two winters through. I have not had right. to use my old heating system to supplement my heat. It has it, it has worked. So right. I like to say that it is a thing and it works. But I would also like to say, as a layman who you know, even even after going through multiple like here's how it works, you know, other than the, the basic thing, it's like running your air conditioner in reverse. I still don't really get it. It's it is you know. Yeah. It, it, it's all about the refrigerant. Right. So what we're doing is, you know, today we're use, utilizing very, very efficient types of refrigerant. You know, we've, we've outlawed R22 and some of the older right. types. But now, you know, 410A is, is the, the popular one out there. And basically that, that refrigerant is capable of catching 
warm air, even in or heating itself, even in negative five, negative ten degrees outside. Mm. Uh, I know. Who thought there was energy in that? Right? Who, I who knew there was? Yeah. Listen, it took a it took a real leap, right, for me yeah. to say, okay, let's put that system in the house. <laughs> See how it works. <laughs> So you're going to make warm air out of cold. How does this work, right? That, that um, is correct. And, and, but I'll tell you this. But when they said things like, we've been installing these systems, like, cause they, they've, they've increased the, the ability for these pumps to uh, pull that, that quote-unquote warmth out of very cold air, right? Mm-hmm. So when they started making these really cold weather systems, cold climate systems, and they said that they were having success with them in Maine, I said, okay. It's in Maine. It's really cold there. I think if it can work in Maine, it could work in New York. So that's like that. That's about that's about as as tech, like how how much did I understand the technology? That was it. it. Works in Maine. It'll work in New York. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I was convinced when uh, I was I was in China and uh-huh. I was real. I was twenty kilometers from the Russian border in China. Like I was north of Mongolia. Uh, in a place called Harbin, and it's just freezing there pretty much all the time. And they run these systems, yeah. and they work there. Yeah. And it was amazing to me. I mean, in, in really, really cold, cold, you know, if you're getting down to deep, deep cold temperatures, you may, these systems are equipped often with an electrical, uh, uh, you know, uh, heat, you know, to, system to supplement their heat as well so right some just of them. in case yes just right. in case well i will i will say that i still have my just in case system in uh, mostly because while i transferred over for heat right i haven't figured out what i'm going to do for hot water right because um, my right. my oil burner heats my hot water right through the you know through the hot water heater it comes right. through the furnace and so i haven't figured out what my next step is there. So I, my furnace is still there. And, like, and I felt like, you know what, for the first year or two, um, it'll be nice to know that if, if it's really cold, I still have heat, right? And I can say without a doubt, I never have to turn my, my old oil heat on in the house. Uh, so as soon as I figure out my, my hot water problem, and maybe we should do a show on alternate ways to heat hot water. Um, I, I mean, you'll, you'll eventually go to a tankless system. Yes, so, I know. I, I, I got to figure that out. You know, they're uh, either propane um, or or natural gas powered tankless system. There are electric tankless systems out there that can yes, be powered by solar. That, that's what I need an electric system. I don't think I'm ready for it to be powered by solar. I have solar on my house now, um, so I've maxed out my solar usage um, and my square footage to put any more solar stuff. So I think I'm going to have to go with the more. Um, traditional electric hot water heater, but not from solar, right? Yeah, that, I, I mean that that makes sense. Um, you know that makes sense. I mean that's uh, and and you know the best thing about these systems, like one of the things that uh, you know it's sort of a byproduct of more efficient systems. They're they take up a smaller footprint in the home. So yeah. you'd be surprised how much extra square footage you have in your home. You now have this livable space because. These systems are so much smaller. They're more compact. And, you know, that, that utility room that you had to have to, to house a big boiler and a 50-gallon water heater. And a furnace, things, yeah. And a furnace. Uh, I mean, all that, you know, an air conditioning, an air handler, you know, all that stuff. It just goes, all that stuff just goes away. And now you have all that extra storage space and, and livable space. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I am uh... I am visualizing the bathroom when I refinish my basement. I'm going to put in right where my furnace is right now. <laughs> so yeah. I've already planned where, what's going in that. Um, yeah, I inspected a house the other day that had all you know the the boiler and uh, and hot water systems, uh, you know, in, in like a pantry closet in the kitchen, and you know I looked at the guy and I said. You know, if you just upgrade these, you can you can get them out of the space and 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 reclaim part of your kitchen. That's huge. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I agree. Um, so um, I think that we are going to take a moment to hear from our sponsors, um, and then when we come back, we will be ready to uh, talk maybe about some some of the benefits and uh, some other fun facts about uh, passive heating. Awesome. 
This is Marcia Talbot, a licensed real estate broker of Howard Hanna Rand Realty, specializing in residential, land, and vintage homes. Rest assured that I will make your experience smooth and pleasant and hold your hand throughout the entire process. As a resident of Orange County since 1976, I know every nook and cranny of this area. Please contact me at marshatalbot.randrealty.com for the best experience in your buying and selling process. O'Keefe & McCann is the only law firm for all your real estate transactions. Founding partner William O'Keefe will patiently guide you through every step, whether you're buying or selling property, commercial or residential, from the first meeting to the closing. O'Keefe & McCann earned their top rating due to their impeccable attention to detail, their dedication to a smooth closing, and the pride they take in their clients' complete satisfaction. They are with you throughout the entire process, ensuring a successful outcome. For the finest real estate attorney, visit omlawteam.com. Hi, this is John Tesh. Tune in for great music and intelligence for your life on weekdays at 1 p.m. as we assemble the tips, the facts, and the news you need to be happier, healthier, more lovable, and more fun to be around. Radio worth listening to. We put the intelligence out there. You decide what to do with it. Hi, this is Brian Baird, host of Million Dollar Feeling, heard every Saturday at 9 a.m. Join me and my guests and learn how you can let go of your past and create a future filled with a million-dollar feeling. Saturdays at 9 a.m. WTBQ GHT Weather. Partly sunny skies this morning. It'll be rather windy with our highs in the upper 40s to lower 50s. Tonight, clear skies. The winds will start to diminish. We'll head down into the upper 20s. High pressure will keep us rather cold overnight. Tomorrow, we will see a mix of sun and clouds. We'll moderate into the upper 50s and lower 60s. Clouds come in tomorrow night, heading down into the upper 30s, low to mid 40s. And for Wednesday, cloudy skies. We have some rain coming back in. Highs will be in the mid 60s. From the WTBQ Weather Center, I'm WeatherWorks' Tony Salimo. WTBQ. I'm gonna make this place your home. Welcome back to the Real Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Christine Koenig, with Howard Hanna Rand Realty, licensed in New York and New Jersey. And I'm hosting today with David Wilner from Pillar to Post Home Inspectors. So uh, we're talking today about passive housing um, and really. What that means is like how to build a passive house. What does that mean? We talked about um, building construction styles. We talked about heating. Uh, but there are a lot of other, other parts that make a home passive, right? Uh, maybe yes. we have some windows and solar and a whole bunch of other stuff to, to chat about a little bit. Yeah, windows are really important in a passive house. Um, and it's not just a matter of being... Uh, having every single window being the most energy efficient. It's the placement of the windows. Some of them are more efficient. Some of them are less efficient. They actually create a convection effect, moving, moving warm air and cool air around in the house. Hmm. Um, and the orientation of the windows to north, south, so that they, you know, one side stays cooler than the other more regularly. And the overhang over the windows so south-facing windows, uh, passive home, will typically be a, a triple glaze. That's three panes of glass because okay. that's the hot side of the house. Yep. And, but they'll also have an overhang, at least a three- to four-foot overhang, engineered to be on top of those windows so that they collect uh, the best, like they don't, on, in the summertime, when the sun's really high in the, in the sky, they're not heating the home for too long. Because one of the things that those windows do is they actually heat the floors in the passive home. And right. those floors retain heat because they're, they're made of materials that are made to absorb the heat uh, coming in through the windows. And, uh, and that's part of your heating system. So the windows are really critical. That's really interesting. I have to tell you, uh, I, I, you know, in my mind, when I thought about a passive home prior to today, it, it, it did not... I did not understand, as we talked about before, that, that thermal construction style. And I certainly didn't know that they would incorporate building materials within the home, um, you know, as well to collect heat and, um, I guess, in the summer, maybe cool, so that it, you know, it keeps in constant temperature. That's super interesting. Also, yeah. never heard of a triple-paned window. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're thick. <laughs> you feel like you're... You feel like you're behind a bulletproof glass. Um, yeah, but they, uh, 
but it's it's a you know it's another way of insulating, right? Double pane right. is good to insulate. Triple pane is better. Um, yeah. And, and is it the same do. technology with the argon gas between the, the, the yes. pieces of glass? Yep, argon or xenon glass uh, or gas inside the glass to uh, to help. I mean, all there's no such thing as windows that um, you know are are perfect, right? So um, right, there's no know. zero no zero heat loss. Right. Window. Right, and there's really never uh, an R factor more than maybe four or five, right? Right. So, you know, your insulation in your home could be, you know, an, an R15 or R20, R24 in some places. I mean, um, you know, so you're, you're not getting a whole lot. But what a passive home does is it understands that, it accepts that fact that this window is not going to be the greatest insulator. How are we going to make better use of it? We can collect energy. We can use it to expel energy and that's where you know that's where they come in they've they understand the weakness of that spot and they know people want to see the outdoors so you know windows are great um but you know they want to they 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 utilize them in a better way hmm. interesting uh, yeah. and and then you know we'll so we have windows that are either have more shading and insulation on one side versus a little less on the other to encourage energy transfer. You're not encouraging airflow, right? You do encourage airflow because what happens is those those windows on the sunny side of the house, they mm -hmm. heat the floor. As the floor warms up and it retains that energy, it actually creates airflow because that hot, that warm air that's going to circulate over that floor is going to rise. Oh, right? that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, you are actually making airflow in the house by, by warming the floors hmm. with and just now, pass, passively with just the windows. Interesting. And now here's another question I'm going to have, because we talked about how tight this building envelope is, and then we want to talk about air quality, right? Right. So yep. a passive house, whether it's summer or winter, right, your goal is not to be opening windows and encouraging fresh air in, right? Your goal is to keep the energy that you're using right? Working consistently through the house to maintain a consistent temperature. Is that right? Yes, that is, that is exactly correct. So, uh, uh, so fresh air is going to be coming in through, through where? Through a system. So at this, at this point, the house is sealed up so tight, right? That they actually, in order to certify a home as passive, they do what's called a door test. Mm -hmm. And they actually put a, like a giant bag and a fan on a door yep and they pressure test the whole house. And that's one of the biggest requirements for being certified as passive. Uh, the house is tight, very, very tight. And because it's so tight, there's very limited air, natural airflow in the house mm -hmm. coming in and out, or I should not airflow, but air exchange, right? Yeah. So it, you don't exchange the air with the outside. And if you don't exchange air, bad things happen. I mean, you know, there's germs and stuff. As soon as one kid comes home with the sniffles, everybody's got that if you're not exchanging air. Right. So passive homes have to have a system installed that actually ventilates the home. And mm -hmm. it will bring fresh air in and let the stale air out. And, uh, and it, it's, a, it's super efficient. It's very, very quiet. The systems that I'm – they draw very little electricity – uh, I, I saw, I read an article where it compared, um, you know, uh, running this system to uh, having like two lights turned on in your house basically for the year. <laughs> and, that, and, and the yeah. system we're talking about there is just the, the air exchange system. Yes, the air exchange system. Yeah. But, you know, and that's part of making a home comfortable. You know, it's, it's yeah. uh, having that fresh, clean air to breathe. And, but it's, uh, you know, they, 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 they they work um these systems work and because you're controlling that air exchange you can increase it or decrease it based on on what you prefer so you know in in a, in a historic home you know, a lot of times you can actually see through part of the wall i mean yeah. you know there's little gaps and stuff and uh yeah. and and that's how you get your air exchange um in a passive home that's sealed up tight you need you need an, an extra system 
All right, that's uh, that is interesting. And so, let me ask my, uh, you know, my my last uh, my last question because I feel like this comes up sometimes, which is, you know, when you're doing a home inspection in most homes, we talk about roofs, we talk about condensation and moisture, we talk about how you want to let your house breathe, right? Yep. Um, yes. so, and, and now we are talking about we do not want any breath in this house. So how does how does that square, you know, how do those two two things square? Or is it just such different building technologies, right, that, you know, thick-built homes do need to breathe and, you know, a home that is built from the get-go as a passive home, um, you know, doesn't. Is that, does that insulation uh, or, I guess, you know, that, that double wall system that apply to the attic as well? Like how? Yeah. So, so yes, yes and no. Um, So there are lots of different roof options for passive homes, Uh, but you you know, you still need ventilation in the attic to reduce condensation, reduce water buildup. Um, You know, um, you absolutely need some ventilation in the attic, even in a passive home. Uh, But the passive home is sealed beneath that attic, right? Okay. Does that make sense? Okay. The home envelope starts below the attic. So while you. you can have ventilate that attic space all you want, it's not going to affect the seal in the rest of the house. All right. So when you're doing, and so in, in that case, because it's the envelope of the main part of the house doesn't include the attic. When you do your, when you do your air, your door test, it's not going to be pulling air from the attic out so you would have that air loss because, it's that, you know, it's, it's sort of separate from your living space. That's exactly right. Oh, that's exactly right. Interesting. Yep. Right. I, I mean, it's, it's the way they tape the drywall. It's the way everything gets sealed and, and, and taped up in the house during the construction product that, that you know, it seals in the living spaces. Uh, but your your attic, if you have a crawl space, you need ventilation in a crawl space. Um, you need ventilation in an attic. Absolutely, yep. And and there's less thermal transfer between the living space and the attic spaces because of increased insulation and different insulation materials. So one of the best uh, one of the materials that I recommend all the you know these days for insulating is what's called rock wool. Um, Rockwell's literally, uh, it's a fibrous insulation product that's made from rock. They bust up rock and they, uh, they, they spin it into like a fiber that uh, is, is put out there. And they make hmm. it into these insulation panels. And it's terrific. It's, that is, that's interesting. And, and, and again, another thing I haven't seen yet. <laughs> yeah, Rockwell's a great, it's a great insulator. It's a great replacement for fiberglass. Uh, you can touch it, and it won't make you itchy. <laughs> well, I, I, do, I do enjoy that about it because, uh, you know, even, even as a real estate agent, I'm sure you as a home inspector are constantly, you know, you have to move it to look at something, right? And, you know, you're either putting a glove on or you're itching for two hours after. Oh, yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, uh, so a lot of times I... I come home and I'm like, ah, get out of my way. I got to get to the shower. I'm dying. I'm itchy. <laughs> Been in attics all day. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, in, that fiberglass, uh, it'll make you crazy. Uh, yeah. but, uh, you know, but it is a great, fiberglass is still a great insulator and probably the most common type of insulation we find in every home. Yes. Uh, I would, I would, I would strongly agree. Right. You know, if somewhat agrees, I strongly agree. I strongly agree. There isn't a home that doesn't have it somewhere in it, right? Even that even if they're using, true. even if they use spray spray insulation in newer construction, you're seeing that you're still going to find some fiberglass somewhere. It's uh, you know, it, there's no way around around it yet. But we're getting closer. Uh, Absolutely true. Absolutely true. But you 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 can replace all your fiberglass with rock wool. <laughs> I mean, you you could do that, uh, and and. That, you know, so some of the things they talk about, you know, using um, more natural materials, right, in passive homes. It's a greening thing, right? right. Uh, there, are, there are insulation materials out there that are made from cotton and uh, other materials like that. But remember, cotton, if you get a leak in your home and, you know, things happen, uh, you know, whatever, tree branch, 
crushes a wall um, and during a storm, and all, now all you've, you've got all this, this moisture coming into your home, that cotton's just going to absorb that moisture. Oh, yeah, it, correct, correct. Yeah. yeah. Rockwell, right. Rockwell is non, it's hydrophobic. It will not absorb any moisture. Uh, and it will insulate even when it's wet. If, if there's water running through it, it's still, you have not lost much on the insulation factor with it. Well, that is great. So we have reached our next commercial break. When we come back, we are going to start to talk about weird and wild. This is Rachel Heiss, branch manager of Howard Hanna Rand Realty. Right now is a great time to buy or sell. Buyers can take advantage of historically low interest rates and sellers can get top dollar for their home in this high demand market. Our agents utilize the most innovative tools and market knowledge to help you achieve your real estate goals. Give us a call at 845-986-4848. At Howard Hanna Rand Realty, home happens here. Pillar to Post Home Inspectors is your number one choice when buying or selling a home in the Hudson Valley. Pillar to Post Inspectors are experienced, informative, and very knowledgeable. We will examine the structure, plumbing, heating, cooling, and electrical systems. Our thorough inspection will identify important factors, which may save buku dollars when making a home purchase. For more information or to schedule your home inspection, call the owner, David Wilner, at 845-610-5366. Visit PillarToPost.com backslash David Wilner. Hi, this is Christine Koenig with Howard Hanna Rand Realty, and I love real estate. I grew up helping my dad fix up his investment properties. That knowledge and experience has fueled my passion for real estate. Licensed in New York and New Jersey for over 10 years, I focus my business on Orange, Passaic, and Sussex counties. Check out my website at christinekoenig.randrealty.com or listen to The Real Real Estate Show, Mondays at 10 a.m. Hi, this is Dr. Pierre Louis, a clinical psychologist. I will take your calls and I will answer all your personal and business relationship questions, helping you create a life healthy in mind, body, and spirit every Friday at 11 a.m. You have a car problem? Maybe it's a mechanic problem. Maybe it's not. Sounds like a job for me, Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. That's right, Sunday mornings at 8. Get up early, let's hang out, let's talk about cars, let's all get smarter, let's solve some car problems. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor, here Sunday mornings at 8. I'm gonna make this place your home. Welcome back to The Real Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Christine Koenig, with Howard Hanna, Rand Realty, hosting today with... David Wilner from Pillar to Post Home Inspectors. So today we've been talking about uh, passive homes, uh, and it's been really an interesting topic today. And Dave, I really appreciate all the insight and knowledge you, you bring to that subject. Uh, uh, you know, not only to me but to our listeners, it's been uh, it's been really, really interesting. And during the break, we were just talking about um, how there are builders who build modular homes um, that focus on that passive, um, you know, the passive building techniques. So you know, in terms yeah. of how how do I do that? If I, if I, you know, I'm looking to build, um, you know, you can, you can look for, for modular homes, um, that, that are built with that or, you know, work with, work with a, with a contractor engineer who, um, one of the, one of the night, one of the neat things about passive homes, right. Is, is the cost, the build cost. Right. And I, I know we're going to separate into our, our, our good stories here, entertain everyone, but real quick is, you know, when you, when you build, from scratch a home, a modular home can cost 20-30% more to build than a standard stick frame or code built home. But um, you know, when you, when you buy a modular home, you actually see that price go down a little bit in modulars, uh, modular passive homes. So the reality is you can actually buy a passive modular home for probably 15, maybe, maybe 20% more but you're gaining 90% energy efficiency. So your payback uh, for that higher priced home is really just a matter of less than five years. Right. Right. That's, that's, uh, it's amazing. Those kind of stats. It's amazing. Right? Right? It's amazing. <laughs> so, uh, it's, you know, it's the same concept with some electric cars, right? The idea is, 
you pay a little more, but you save in, in gas in the long run, which is true. It, it does. You know, I have an electric car, and it, my, my cost to run the car is much less now. But I did pay more up front. So um, pay now, pay later. Uh, I guess it's all it always works out. <laughs> anyway, Somebody's going to get paid. That's right. Let's segment into our weird and wild. So, you know, as real estate agents, we see crazy stuff all the time. And uh, Dave and I thought we would pick a few of our favorite, um, you know, completely weird things that we have seen. And we'll, we'll go one than the other. So, Dave, do you want to go first? Do you want to pick your, your first sure. weird and wild thing? Sure. You know, one of my, one of my favorites was, uh, you know, I, I, I showed up to do a home inspection one day. And uh, the client wasn't going to be there. It was just me and the real estate agent. And uh, I walk up to the front door, and it's covered in crime scene tape. (laughs) I'm guessing your immediate response was, well, that was a quick inspection. Yeah. Should we be here? (laughs) The real estate agent just ripped it off the front door. He says, ah, yeah, yeah, let's just go in. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Okay. (laughs) All right. You know, I'm a home inspector. This isn't CSI. I mean, <laughs> so how about you, Christine? What What have you seen? All right. So my, my I will start with my weirdest and wildest. I was uh, I was looking at uh, some older homes with a with a family, uh, and you know, they were going to use a 203k loan. So we knew that you know the home that they, the homes we were looking at needed a little work, not a lot, but enough where you know they wanted to supplement, and so. We're, we're looking at this one home, and we walk in, and it was probably built in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, it, you know, it was your traditional center hall colonial where you walk in, the staircase is right to your left, and it goes up, and you have, like, a little, a little, um, I guess, center hall. And then you have, like, your living room, your kitchen, and your dining room. So as I'm looking to the left at the stairs, there's, like, a box, right? And I thought it was, like, a storage box. I mean, if you think about, like, if you're at a bay window and someone has, like, a, um, like a window seat, that they have storage, right. kind of lift, lift up a plywood door for storage. Right. So I lifted up the plywood door to see what kind of storage was at the base of the stairs because it seemed like such a strange place. Um, and what was stored was a toilet bowl, a working one. A toilet bowl! Yeah. <laughs> so I, I can only assume at some point in time, because it's an older home, the only bathroom was on the second floor. So I can only assume at some point in time someone couldn't get up the stairs, and so they, they needed a bathroom, and with the older home, it was hard to find a place to put one. So the staircase landing became that place. It was the stra- it was the strangest thing I've ever seen. In a, in it's a great. A I, I love that. I mean, <laughs> I, I should do that in my life. I watch TV while I'm on the toilet. That's fantastic. Too much information, Dave. Too much information. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's, what, what's your next? I went, I went into a house and, uh, you know, and it's, it, it's, it's, you know, we're in this house, we're doing the whole home inspection. And I, I mentioned that there's a, uh, an organic substance, maybe possibly uh mold or something on the ceiling. And, uh, the woman in, in the, li- in the living room, in the living room. And to be clear, this stuff was hanging off like a bush. Right. No, and <laughs> she, she says to me, well, what do you think? could be the cause of that and i looked at her and i looked back at the you know at the the area of the living room i said well it could be the hot tub (laughs) she's right there in the middle of the living room there's a hot tub in the middle of the living room and it's clearly just been you know it's bubbling and you know doing its hot tub stuff you know it's i mean this is not like a small little thing. This was an outdoor jacuzzi giant tub for, you know, four to six people plopped right in the middle of the living room. And yeah, you got some moisture in there. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> sounds very 1970s. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, oh my goodness. See, I knew this would change my memory. Weirdest Uh-oh. and wildest things I've seen. So I went, uh, I got a call from a woman down in Wayne, New Jersey. She said to me, hey, thinking of selling my house, can you come look at it? Like I, I'm going to send you a newspaper article um, about my home as well. I was featured. My home was featured in Playboy magazine. I'm like, oh, interesting. Um, I'm like, so what was featured? She goes, oh, my my uh, my underground pool. Oh, <laughs> I said, wait, she's got I said, a grotto. <laughs> I said an underground pool. She's like, yes, my husband built me an underground pool. I said, I can't wait to come and see it. So I get to her home, which was a 
beautiful mid-century modern home. I mean, it was just so elegant and unique, and I, I wanted to list this home so bad. And so uh, we get to the house, and she's like, let's go downstairs. So we walk down, and there's a regular basement, and then there's a door to a concrete hallway, right, that leads oh. you through the foundation and out of the house to an underground pool. Um, and not one with, like, skylights or anything like that. It is truly subterranean. They built a subterranean pool in this woman's house, or, I guess, yard. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. I, did, I inspected a subterranean home. Hmm, where was that? that, uh, that it was up in Dutchess County um, a few months ago, actually. This was not so long ago. And, uh, you, you know, when I looked at the, the listing... Uh, it was too soon for pictures. So, uh, you know, it had all the, the data on it, just like a regular house. When I roll up at the inspection and I look at the thing and I'm like, it's a hobbit house. <laughs> oh, so it was like a door in the side of a hill kind of concept? Pretty much. It was an earthen roof. It was an earth, It was built into the side of a hill. It had uh, like a glass front and a glass back. And from either side, it was earthen across the whole, like, the, the, the width of the home. So uh-huh. you could actually just walk up the hill, walk over the roof, walk, it was all grass. You got to mow your roof. Did, um, it feel, did it feel very moist in there? I would, sense, I would think that it would be, like, a, like, like very humid in a house like that, like, like living in a, in a basement. Yeah, you know, it wasn't. It was, uh, it was actually, I mean, the way they had it built with glass on either side, it actually felt great, and it was all uh, poured concrete construction, so it was not, you know, it was not bad. Um, but you know, the weird thing about that house is that it was a, it was like a forty-eight hundred square foot house with one bedroom, and uh, yeah, that's a lot of square yeah. footage for one bedroom. That's a lot of square footage. It was just open square footage, and there was one bedroom, and the one bedroom had its own little kitchen area. And then there was this whole other kitchen, and then there was a room that had a stage that had its own makeup mirrors and this weird shower tub configuration. And, you know, I think this one could have been featured in Playboy at some time, too. <laughs> it's very, very interesting. I have to see if I can find that Playboy article at this pool, because I think you would be just astounded to, to look at it. I mean, it was, oh, it's really something special. I would love to see the subterranean pool. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Were there stalactites or stalagmites in there? Um, that would so be fun. In, in the room yeah. that was the bridge between the two of those things, there was clearly some failing concrete, so there was there was certainly some, some water seepage happening. But uh, oh, so oh. I, w- I wouldn't go as far to say stalactites and stalagmites. Okay. As we are as we are winding winding down towards the end of our show, um, I I will I will end with one last quick quick house one. Although I have to say I really wanted you to talk about um, about the uh, dryer vent into a garbage can. I I find that to be super compelling (laughs) to to hear about. Um, I will also say that apparently a lot of mine have to be in the basement. Um, A river running under the house. Uh, It was, uh, you know, we couldn't figure out what was going on. There was so much, it was so moist down in the basement. Um, It was clear that it needed a septic system. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking and I'm like, I'm like, you know, there's ground, you know, you have your, your water table, right? But this had literally a river that ran under the home. I was talking to the neighbor. He's like, they're never going to sell the house. There's a river. The river runs under it. And then sometimes when it's flooding, it runs through it. And I'm like, it's like, uh, it's, it's, it's like the title to a horror movie, A River Runs Through It. The <laughs> yeah. house that nobody wants. Correct. Yeah. And by the way, not in a pretty Frank Lloyd Wright kind of way. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, no, this isn't this isn't the pretty white water with the glass floor, you know. No, it's not at all. Just, you know, <laughs> running right through there. Wow. So, all all right. right. Thank you. Great, great show. Job. Absolutely. See you guys next week. Thanks.